Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of The Call. Great to have your company for the next hour or so as we go through a whole bunch of stocks, 10 in fact, that you've suggested that we put to our expert panel. And uh, great to have on the panel today, Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Henry, welcome. Thanks, David. Uh, Here in our Brangaroo studios in Sydney. Um, Got in Wakers Parkway open from the Northern Beaches. Wakers Parkway was open. The sun is shining. Excellent. It's fantastic. After Sydney's drenching. Um, And Henry joined on the panel by Andrew Whelan from uh, DP Wealth Advisory up there in uh, Toowoomba. And are you still copying it, Andrew, up there, the rain? No, certainly not compared to to you and Henry. But uh, as I was just saying to you before, we basically had a month's worth of rain here in Toowoomba yesterday. So great for uh, the gardens. Yep. Sadly, not sadly not into the dams. But uh, look, we'll take it anyway, Koshing. Yep, exactly. All right. Uh, good to have you both aboard. Um, we uh, will head into your 10 stocks very shortly. I always uh, choose a stock of the day, a stock that's... Um, sort of been in the news and today uh, Media, the uh, billboard advertising group uh, came out with an update today saying its profits fell 36% to $180 million down um, on the 2020 year. The company has also suspended its dividend payment for the year when it raised capital during the pandemic. Uh, uh, Media was has its share prices has done reasonably well over the last uh, couple of months. It's been classed as one of those stocks that will benefit from the reopening of the economy. Andrew, what did you think of the update, and, and what do you think of the stock? Yeah, look, the update wasn't too bad, and in fact, I was also looking Koshi at their most recent announcement back in uh, mid to late February, from memory, uh, and a lot of the the tenor in that update was around the cost piece. So if you think of two levers with a business, you've got a revenue lever and you've got a cost lever. It's much easier for businesses to control the cost lever and they've been ripping costs out of that business like there's no tomorrow. Uh, Plus they uh, raise capital early, so they've been paying down debt. So they've done all the right things from a business point of view, but again, a lot of it is a function of uh, you know lockdowns, etc. And they seem to be abating and becoming more regionalised rather than the national one that we had around 12 months ago. But ultimately, it is a business in which it's difficult for them to sort of control the revenue. It's not, dare I say, it, a moat-like business. 
So from my point of view, if I was looking at a media type business, apart from Ausbiz, of course, and I don't think he's selling shares in it just yet, uh, I would be sort of looking more at Nine right. uh, or maybe even News Corp, even though they're not direct proxies, but sort of as sort of advertising like businesses. But uh, yeah, this one doesn't necessarily float my boat, not because it's a badly run company, it's more around the industry dynamics that I'd find a bit challenging. All right, Henry, what do you reckon? Um, well, digital billboards, advertising, yep. etc. It's um, it's been good to us. We've had it in the in our growth portfolio for a little while, and it has oh, been good. good. It did take a. This is more an annual report kind of update than anything else. So we kind of knew where the company was to some extent, yeah. um, and it has had a big leg up uh, from around where we bought it uh, back in sort of October, November last year. So it, it's done pretty well. Uh, this isn't going to really set the world alight in terms of either good or bad. There yep. wasn't any guidance going forward, but as the economy does you know, improve because of the, uh, the vaccination program, not that we really need the vaccination program because we haven't got uh, yeah. COVID, but it will allow some international travel potentially in some months oh, to come. All right, Scott, ScoMo. Oh, it's not a race, da, da, da. Well, it's not a it race. It is a race. It's a, well, it's not a race that's dependent on us. Yeah. It's not a race that we can, we can win on our own because our travel, our plans, people coming to Australia doesn't yeah. depend on us all being vaccinated okay. so much as everybody so else. So we've done so. about 300,000 vaccinations. Um, the UK did 26 million, yeah. the size of Australia in the first 78 days. Yeah. And the US has done 100 million vaccinations in 58 days. It's crazy. They're doing isn't three, it? two and a half, three million a day. I know. I think the week. UK did about four or five million the other day. In one day. I know. It's extraordinary. We've got to get it. We can't keep saying, oh, it's not a race. For well, that much it, it, is, it is a bit of a race. Yes. We, we need to be in the race. Yep. We need to be running the race. We don't necessarily be need to lead well, the race. No. Because it does depend on other well, we people. We shouldn't come last. We shouldn't come. Well, no, especially <laughs> as we won the race along with New Zealand and yeah, various yeah. other places like Taiwan. Keep it under control. To keep it under control. Yep. We can't then get complacent about the vaccination program, which... You know, obviously there's some issues with tyranny of distance and supply, yeah. etc. But uh, it's not a race that we can afford to come no. last in. It would no. be nice to come, you know, get a yeah, bronze medal. Of field at least get a bronze yeah, and get exactly. on the dais. For, I'm for, with you. <laughs> you know, not, not do a Stephen Bradbury and hope everybody else falls over. <laughs> That's a point. So, um, you know, Media is, is, is a good company. They're doing all the right things. Um, geared to the economic revival, uh, which we are seeing, let's face it, you know, we've got okay. very good growth coming through. So you've um, had a good bump since, since We've had a good bump. It's, def you... it's definitely a hold. A hold. Um, there's there's right. nothing in here that says, hey, we need to add to it. And right. there's nothing that says, you know what, it's all over Red Rover. Okay. So it, it's kind of steady yeah, as she goes, so go. Excellent. as we all would right. like. And... Um, and in this environment, steady and she go, as she goes, has a lot of attractions to it. <laughs> it does. It All does. right. Um, uh, Henry Cameron wants a view on Mortgage Choice, the big uh, mortgage and home loan broker. They're also into car loans and, uh, and financial planning. Uh, mortgage Choice. What did I see yesterday? Commonwealth Bank is taking on NAB and Westpac, dropping its two-year fixed rate. Um, down to 1.8% or something. Jeez, money is cheap in home loans at the moment, isn't it? It's, it's extraordinary. 
Well, it's extraordinary, and not only is it cheap, but it is also plentiful as well. Yes. I think you yeah, know, yeah. And, and, and that's what's stoking the property market yeah. w without yeah. question. Um, that and the lack of supply. Yeah. And of course, you know, you, we've done the same thing. We, my wife and I, have been looking around. You think, well, if we sell, yeah. What what do we buy? Yeah. So do you buy yeah. before you sell? Do you sell before you buy? Um, back to mortgage choice. Disappointing. Right. Disappointing is the uh, is the last set of results. Given all this activity in housing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all the increase in refinancing, etc., it was disappointing that the loan book had not really grown above that 54 billion. Right. And that is one of the keys to their business. That's where they make a, a lot of their money is where yeah. uh, the loan book, the existing loan book has all those tails in it in terms of uh, commission structure. So right. um, the fact that it hadn't grown was a little disappointing. I think the market mm. took that disappointingly. Susan Mitchell, the CEO, has just had her contract renewed um, and she was part of the very successful team at Mortgage Choice for a long time right. um, and has been the CEO for a while, left and came back because... Right. Uh, by popular request, basically. So it, it's certainly a good, solid business. It, it really needs to expand its, its franchisees. It needs to expand it, its, its mortgage broker base yeah. at the moment. Uh, it did push into financial planning yeah. to try and, um, you know, when, the, when we saw the, the Hain Royal Commission and the changes to mortgage broking, it pushed into financial planning to try and um, mitigate some of the risk associated with just being a mortgage broker. If the commissions went, then you know, yeah. business gone. So um, th that is good and it's happening. It's probably not happening as quick as the market would like. It's not a sell here because it has already fallen back down to $1.18. Property market's still good. Yeah. Um, it's probably a, a smidge of a buy right. um, only because it's fallen hard, but it would have been really nice yeah. to have seen that loan book grow and it didn't. Um, although they've said that some of the reasons for that um, about um, you know, the way the loan book is structured um, will alleviate and that should start to grow but because be I, I must admit when i saw the competition in the home loan market with these low rates i started to think what's that do for your margins um yeah and and do um groups like mortgage choice uh financial providers get squeezed on that well they, they do yes yeah. i mean it, it, it's inevitable that they're going to be squeezed as the banks are going to be squeezed so do the mortgage yeah. brokers get squeezed that's why that loan book is kind of that's kind of the legacy Kenny business yeah. Right. Um, and that's where they make a lot of their money. So the fact that that wasn't growing, yeah. um, you know, that, that means in years to come, it's, it's kind of high. Okay. Uh, Andrew, what do you reckon of um, mortgage choice? Yeah, I, I tend to take my learned friend's view. I'd call it <laughs> underwhelming. Um, <laughs> but uh, look, in, in the scheme of things, it's not a bad business. Just to Henry's point around the financial planning piece, it's about 5% of their revenue. Interestingly, they're losing money on that, uh, which as a competitor, I think is amazing. Um, but, you know, if I was a part owner of the business, I'd be saying, how are you losing money doing it? So that certainly is a bit of an amber flashing light for me. I note that uh, the chair owns around $70,000 worth of the company. The company just, you know, from an interest perspective, is about $148 million worth. So, Koshi, the Andrew test, uh, the management and board invested with you. Uh, I think the answer to that question would be no. So uh, certainly failing a couple of those tests. Uh, return on equity is all right, paying a pretty good yield, but of course they're paying at 98%, which as we know is a pretty high number and any stress on that business uh, is not sort of uh, super promising. 
and only one broker follows it. So that's probably another issue in itself. They believe it's worth a dollar forty versus the share price of where is it a dollar eighteen, dollar nineteen, something like that. So there's not really a lot of institutional or retail interest in it. So you're right for all of the uh, all the sort of tailwinds behind them. They don't really seem to be capitalising on it. So at best, this is a hold. Okay. All right. A hold and a smidge buy. Which was uh, that's a, that which is was a technical a one. That's a that's technical, a technical term. term. That I is a technical that. investment term. <laughs> All right, um, let's go, uh, Peter. Um, Andrew wants a view on Simic. Um, Peter has a very specific uh, question: Why is Simic tanking, uh, even with it winning contracts? Uh, Simic, of course, the the old latent holdings in into construction, uh, mineral processing, engineering throughout Australia and. Uh, Asia, the Middle East, big global company. Um, back in the uh, uh, the black in the most recent annual results, despite a big loss in in 2019, had some uh, legal issues with with some of its big projects in the past. But um, Simic saying they're expecting more than 500 billion dollars worth of contracts in 2021. And when you, when Andrew, you see that 12 month chart, you can. Um, you don't need to wonder why why Peter's asking the question. What the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, in fact, one of my comments here is the chart looks dreadful. Yeah. That's, uh, that's another finance term for you. Perhaps not as <laughs> good as smidge by, but uh, it's still looking pretty ordinary. Uh, you, you're right. Like, it should be doing okay. Uh, I mean, I'm probably showing my age here, but this is sort of uh, since 1997. It's the type of company, and when it was Layton's, it would regularly go from $8 to $50. Hmm. Uh, like one of those styles of company, which is sort of a function of what contracts it was winning. Uh, but as a consequence, as you also pointed out, they've had a couple of challenges as well, if I can put it so delicately. They're winning big contracts, you know, like they've got the, that Westgate uh, tunnel, Sydney Metro, Parramatta light rail. Like these aren't small contracts. Uh, I think one thing that might be weighing on the market's mind is the liquidity piece. And what I mean by that is you've got Hon Chi for our Spanish friends, uh, Spanish friends, German friends, uh, German friends. They, are, uh, they control around 77% of the company and they continue to creep up on the register. So you'd have to think at some stage that uh, they will actually eventually come and take this company out entirely, as in they'll take the company over, but at what price and what sort of premium, and they'll just continue to sort of keep creeping up the register along the way. So from an institutional point of view, it could arguably be considered a bit of a crab pot. You know, why would you be there if there's not a lot of liquidity and then you get taken out at a low price that you may not want? So I think that's a bit of an issue. Uh, consensus is pretty kind. There's seven brokers who are following it saying it's worth about 22 bucks, and where are we at the moment? About 17, 18, something like that. So on a valuation basis, looks all right. And certainly from a broader industry thematic point of view, looks all right. But uh, again, I, I would think this is a hold. Certainly at the very least is I'd want to see that chart inverting. So in other words, not doing sort of uh, the, the direction it's doing. I'd Thank you, Gautam. I'd actually like to see it actually turning up as, as the first part. But uh, the Honchief thing is probably the things that concerns me and that would keep me away from it. And we're in fact going to cover off on another company very shortly that I think is much better positioned relating to taking advantage of that infrastructure question. Okay. All right. Um, so a hold for Semic. And if you look at that five-year uh, chart, it's testing five-year lows at the moment, isn't it? It is, Andrew was saying it's a depressing chart, it sure is, isn't it? <laughs> it is a depressing thing. If you were a Simic shareholder, you'd be pretty depressed about yeah. this one. 
Uh, it missed uh, its profit uh, forecast, well, yep. markets forecast, big time uh, last time round. That's what's really precipitated this big fall. It was a shock. Market doesn't like shocks. Market mm. doesn't like to be disappointed. Um, as Andrew rightly points out, liquidity is always an issue for this one. 78% owned by the Spanish. Spanish, yeah. Or the Germans. Spanish. <laughs> the Spanish. Somebody. The Spanish. Um, by overseas people. Yeah. Um, and there's always been that hope that maybe that they will just take out the other 22% and be done with it. Um, but that has hopes has been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, winning contracts is great. As long as you make money out of the contracts. The, yeah. the problem is that they really haven't Jeez. made enough money out of the contracts. The, the, the margins are pretty skinny. And it's not an easy business being an engineering And the size of the contracts business. are massive, are they're, they're they? Big. The size of the project. And if you stuff them up. If you stuff that up, it's not like you, you know, you're know you building yeah. a deck at home and it's you know, yeah. it's cost you 30 grand. And if you're 10% yeah. overs, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. But you know when you've got $300 million contracts, that is big. You, yeah. know, you can really do some serious money on those if you get them wrong. So I think that's the problem the market has with it. Construction has been an issue. It's obviously geared to infrastructure. But these are long lead time projects as well. It's, you know, we, we, we have a great, um, <laughs> you know, Simic are not the only ones that uh, make a big thing about announcing projects, put a big red or a, a yellow hat on and say, hey, we're going to build this new bridge or whatever. And then it takes five years to actually get all yeah. the approval. So these are long lead time things. Um, so it's going to take a while for us to see the benefit of all these projects they're announcing. It's going to take, you know, 2022 before we see this. It's, it's definitely not a sell only right. because it's so damaged and such a dog and there's always the chance that at some stage you know, Hot Chief will come along and put them out of our misery. Right. Um, Is it a buy? I'd, I'd, I'd go not yet. Right. I'd like to see some evidence that they've actually turning the corner, that they've actually the, the contracts are profitable and I think the market after that result in February needs to see the August result before right. it. But it, it's a hold at the moment. If you were long it, you'd hold it. Yep. If you're looking at it as a potential investment, wait for the next set of results and then see if, it's, if that bounce is starting to come through. Right. The market may move before then, so keep an eye on it from a technical point of view. Okay, all right. Uh, there you go, some good guides, a good answer there uh, for you, Peter, to that question why it's tanking. It seems uh, pretty clear. Um, Luke wants a, um, a view, Henry, on Western areas. They've just done a big institutional placement, haven't they? Um, yeah. With, um, that's going to fund their Odysseus development. Um, what do you think of Western Areas, the mining company? Um, Western Areas is usually heavily shorted by the market. There's around 5% of the float is shorted. It's kind of one of those stocks that... Yeah, why? <sighs> Doesn't the market ever trust it? No, I don't think it's so much that. I think it's more a pairs kind of trade. It's, very, it's a nickel company. So yep. it's, the, it's the only pure play nickel company, I guess, in the market. And there are other nickel companies around the world, so you could be long of that and short of Western areas on, a, right. on an international uh, right. basis. Okay. It may not okay. be that you okay. just hate Western areas. It may be that you prefer another uh, nickel company. And to be honest, Western areas has been <laughs> underwhelming, disappointing, yep. C minus, almost a D grade um, in terms of uh, its performance. It is so... But nickel price have been doing all right. Until, right. until, yep. um, until a Chinese company said that they've cracked a new method of producing uh, battery grade nickel, which is why the nickel price had been doing so well. And the nickel price collapsed 16% overnight, right. um, pretty much. Um, so that's why uh, Western Areas has collapsed 
as much as it has. You look at that chart, here we are, you know, $2.70, electric vehicles, nickel, cathodes, yep. all that sort of stuff, battery grade nickel, all looking really sexy. Company had a rights issue, well, a placement, $2.15. This Chinese company said, hey, we can do this better and we can do it a lot cheaper. Yep. And boing, yep. down she goes. Down so the back. question at the moment, the people are underwater on that placement at $2.15. There's an SPP going on too. So that's keeping a bit of a lid on the price and the nickel price is not hasn't really recovered um, but if you want to play pure play nickel western areas is the way to go it has got that short position so it does have some volatility so it does no tend to other alternative up. in australia not pure play i mean right. you can go with you know big ones like bhp and there's a few right. you know byproduct nickel producers but generally the the go is you want to play nickel you want to play that that end of the the, the battery tech market then Western areas is the way to go. I think around these levels, I've got to say, I think it's a buy. Mm. I think it's a buy. I think uh, it may continue to be a little bit dormant while this SPP gets sorted out at $2.15, and there's obviously an overhang there from the guys that took the stock at $2.15. But the nickel price could recover. The demand is there. Yeah. But this Chinese company may not be able to do what they say they can do, and we could see mm. the nickel price recover. Okay. It's a big short. It's got the potential to, uh, once that SPP kind of lid's taken off, and it's not a huge one, I think it's 15 million bucks. You know, they raised 85 out of 100. Uh, so it's not huge, but it's enough to keep mm. keep it just down low at the moment. Okay. But it could pop. All right. Uh, Andrew, what do you think of Western areas? I have to say I was an ambivalent hold. Um, just continuing with the technical finance language. But, you know, my friends talked me into it. Let's, let's have a go at this. It's a, it's a, it's a buy. Get on oh. it. Giddy up. Giddy up. Um, <laughs> giddy up. So, That's you not know, a like, uh, Yeah, so the, you know, the, the kids, if I can put it that way, you know, they've got their rocket emojis. The more sort of mature, sanguine type of guys and girls, giddy up. You know, we sort of like to use the horse analogy. Um, Koshi, you and I spoke about this one back in December, yep. and it fell in a heap about 15%, not because we spoke about it, but that's just what's happened. Uh, and at the time, you know, we were talking about things like the fact that, as Henry just spoke about, they've been a perennial uh, disappointment, and in particular, their most recent results in October, misguidance and all that sort of stuff as well. So certainly that would contribute to partly why the price is under pressure, all the other things that Henry spoke about. And that would be my one concern when there's an SPP share purchase plan in play uh, and a placement that does tend as additional supply coming into the market that does tend to weigh on the share price. But just looking at the chart, um, sort of around that 210, 212, there's been that, oh, how many times here? About five times it's turned off that. So we're sort of pretty close to that at the moment. Probably only other thing is that it recently got dropped out of the ASX S&P 200. So in the context of index buying, that's sort of one of the drivers that may have pushed it in the past that's not there. But uh, certainly it is pretty fickle. And once we get this uh, share placement out the way, then you certainly have the opportunity for that bounce, for that volatility. Because if you look at consensus, 13 guys and girls who follow it, they believe it's worth $2.57. And here we are today at $2.06. So if you're looking for something volatile, plays into that sort of electric car thematic, if I can put it that way, uh, mm -hmm. this is absolutely one for you. Okay, so have you got it as a buy? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Get on it. Get yep. up. Get buy on it. Excellent. Gee, you did a good job there, Henry. I did, didn't I? Yeah, really good. <laughs> that was like 12 angry men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Andrew, Mick wants a view on uh, Mass Group, another 
construction, materials, equipment and service provider, civil engineering, mining, um, uh, basically in Australia. Is this the one you prefer to CIMIC? Yeah, so um, we were saying before that infrastructure thematic is really sound. And in fact, if you have a look at a, a recent announcement that Mass put out, I can't remember the slide number, but it's most recent slide deck. It actually has all the various infrastructure projects in Australia over the next five years, peaking at about $24 billion a year in 2023, 2024. Uh, and so the actual underlying thematic is pretty sound. Um, couldn't find a lot of info, info on it to begin with. And so uh, that's, of course, because it only recently listed back in yep. uh, December. Uh, 73 odd million shares, $2 a share. So certainly if you were on that, you wouldn't exactly be unhappy. Headquarters in Dobbo. So big call out to regional and rural Australia, not Queensland, but you know, I'll give it a close second. And um, a really interesting business, Koshi, because you know, not only are they involved in sort of the infrastructure piece, and they seem to be aligning themselves pretty much to inland rail, which is a monster project in itself. But the sort of the icing on the cake, if I can put it that way, is they also doing some residential land development along the mm. way as well, which is really interesting. Uh, I mean, it could blow up on them if they don't get it right. But, you know, they're sort of in for a penny, in for a pound, so to speak, that, you know, if they believe that these regional areas are going to benefit by virtue of the workers that are coming along and helping actually build the inland rail, which is just one of their projects involved with. Um, yeah, they're absolutely backing themselves. The, the mass family are significant holders of the company, which I like, but also scares me a little bit because one day the mass family may not want to be there, but for the time being, they're certainly putting their money where their mouth is. They've got about 600 employees. I really like this one, Koshi. I reckon it's a buy. Okay. All right. Henry? I'm not going to be quite so overs with this one. Um, it, it's a good company, well managed. They're in all the right spaces. They're doing all the right things. It did list at two bucks. It has yep. run pretty hard. There is a scarcity of stock and there is a scarcity of um, liquidity right. as well. Yep. I think um, today 23,000 shares traded. So, right. you know, it's not difficult. If you wanted to buy a couple of hundred thousand shares and get set, you could whack this one up 5% quite easily right. um, because the mass family, ha it's a bit of a, a rags to riches, I guess. This is a guy that started this business from, I think it was one Bobcat and he uh, was 22 years old and was going to be an NRL professional, had this business on the side, hurt his shoulder, couldn't do that. So went into this side of things and from it's one a great Bob, story. It is a great story. From one great Bobcat, story. he, you know, it's another Bobcat, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it floated and they've made squillions. Wow. So good on him. I think it's great. Um, but I think it, for me, it's just run a little bit too hard right. for the time being. I'd like to see if it came back below three bucks, get on board. As Andrew says in investment parlance, giddy up. <laughs> but not just at these levels. It's just a 10% overs for my liking. Just right. like to see it drift back a little bit as um, uh, there's probably some escrow stock to come out as well yeah. uh, from the float True. over a period of time. So that's going to hit the market or at least be able to hit the market. So yeah. um, three bucks, giddy okay. up, 330. You there know, you go, Mick. Good company. Good if company. You've been on it since the float. Yeah, they've done Keep extraordinarily well. Done well. Extraordinarily well. All right, uh, Henry Darren, our Fitstock, uh, wants to be on an ETF, the Bandeck Global Clean Energy ETF. Uh, Darren says in the coming years, clean energy has been mentioned as one of the major thematics. In particular, it would be helpful to know if the ETF is now at a reasonable price or if it would be better to wait for a pullback in this kind of stock before buying it. 
Uh, I have to say, Koshi, this is Andrew's bread and butter. Yes, I know. This is yeah. his bread and butter. That's why I thought we'd go you first. Make me look like a, flounder <laughs> a floundering idiot. No, no, no. We can, we can hand pass it to... Uh, no, no, no. It's okay. I'll have a stab. Uh, <laughs> this is a new ETF that's been created, right. which, is, which is good. And it, it, that's what ETFs do. They, they kind of capture the zeitgeist and, and the themes of the day and allow investors yeah. to invest in it. And there's no, nothing wrong with this theme. The issue I have with this one and I got sent an email from a very kind member who filled me in with some background, is they've got a large holding in a thing called Plug Power and Enphase, right. both of which have been pumped up big time. They've got about 8% in each for this ETF. Mm. Okay. Um, and there is some, some puffing, and there is some uh, froth and bubble about Plug Power and Enphase as well. I don't know, the, oh. these are US companies. Right. Um, so I haven't done enough uh, on these to, to make any comment, apart from, you know, this has been a, a US ETF for a while. It hasn't right. performed that well, um, but it obviously plays into a great theme. But I think we just maybe need to see a little bit of the froth come off of those two hmm. because they're such a dominant part of the ETF. But Andrew yep. will put me straight and over to you, my friend. Yep. Andrew, how did he do? <laughs> uh, look, he, uh, he nailed it, as always. Um, <laughs> You're just saying that. There's uh, lots of moving parts in this one, and I know we're a bit time constrained, so I'll try and sort of uh, speed it up. So you're right, it hasn't performed super well since listing, but arguably when they listed, that was when bond yields were starting to rise. So any sort of growth-focused investments, and we saw a lot of these uh, technology-focused ETFs came under a fair bit of pressure, sort of dropped around 10%. So I'm not really surprised to see that. If you look at the performance of the index, so it follows the SNP Global Clean Energy Index, which has been going since 2007. This basket was up 119% last year. Oh. So it was prime for some profit taking. And even over the last five years, so a lot of it was because of Biden and Henry's team did a lot of yep. good work when um, Biden was uh, elected as to what type of stocks to choose and there was a run up in that. It's still up 28% for the last five years. So it's, it's performed pretty well. There's two things you need to think about. There's the thematic piece, but then there's the valuation piece. And you can't sort of have one without the other. From a thematic perspective, uh, we are really are at an inflection point relating to climate change. Uh, you've got the Chinese, as an example, committing to spending $16 trillion with a T by 2060 on clean energy. So certainly there is a wave of money coming at this. To meet the Paris agreements globally, we need to spend $122 billion every year to get to the, um, the investment right. required to meet the Paris change. So makes sense from a thematic point of view. The problem we've got, as I said before, is you've got rising bond yields and the valuation of all these companies. So that's the issue that we have. In the context of this particular company or ETF, it holds 30 companies and some of the ones that Henry just mentioned, uh, Enphase, Plug Play, etc. It's got exposure to uh, the US, New Zealand, Denmark, Canada, most of the companies are forecast to grow their earnings by about 20% per annum over the next five years, uh, next next year. Um, so to me, like the thematic, I want to see bond yields calm down a little bit before I say it's a buy. But uh, And it's not so much the bond yields themselves going up, it's the rate in which it's going up. Right. So once we get a better handle on that, and I mean, you could have a broader conversation all day about that across the whole market. So to me, it is a hold, but yep. the thematic holds strong. 
And the moment that these bond yields settle down, then I'm very interested, but I just can't do it at the moment. Okay. All right. Let's uh, just recap the first five stocks plus the stock of the day. Ubermedia, uh, a hold from Henry. Um, Andrew, no, he preferred if you want to get sort of that related media exposure, nine and news would be his preference. Uh, mortgage choice, a hold from uh, Andrew, a smidge buy from, um, uh, from Henry Jennings, sort of uh, at these levels, actually quite like it at the moment. It's uh, attracting him. Uh, Simic, a hold from, um, uh, from Andrew. Um, a no if you want to get into it from, uh, from Henry, although put it on your watch list. But if you've ridden it down, sort of keep holding it if you're a long-term investor. Uh, Western areas are yes from both Henry and Andrew, the pure nickel play. Uh, Mass Group, uh, a yes from Andrew. Um, Henry's going to wait until it gets around $3. If it gets back to there, it's probably a better valuation. And the Vanette Clean Energy Global, a no from Henry and um, a hold from Andrew. Here on the call, we've got our own fantasy portfolio that we've been tracking since the 1st of July, thanks to our partner NabTrade. Any stock that gets uh, unanimous approval by our, uh, by our panel, like Western Areas did today, goes into the calls portfolio. If it comes up again, even if it's in front of a, a different panel in the future and doesn't get that unanimous, yes, it goes out of the portfolio. So let's see how we've been going. And uh, for the week, uh, down just under 0.2% for the month, 0.42% uh, since the 1st of July, up almost 25%. Uh, some of the stocks recently added by our, um, by our expert panels, Super Retail, Brain Chip, Evolution Mining, Event Hospitality and Entertainment, Omni Bridgeway. Some of the stocks removed, Premier Investments, Hanson Technologies and Calix. Now you can see all the stocks in the uh, calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, coming up on the pulse after 1pm, um, the chief executive of SRG, SRJ rather Technologies, Alexander Wood, who yesterday lodged its first purchase order. The news was welcomed by shareholders up over 30% yesterday. Off the back of it, uh, he joins the team at 1.40pm. All right, let's uh, take a look at the, our final five stocks for the hour. And uh, Andrew Zach wants a view on Amero International. Now it's a, a basically a 3D. We talk about 3D printing, but 3D printing today is uh, you basically can print anything and build anything. And these guys um, do equipment and technology for the defence and space sectors. Thanks, Koshi. You just read my notes. Congratulations. That's great. Um, yeah, and it's uh, got. Customers like Boeing, Northup, uh, Grunman, uh, Thales, Woodside. So it's got some pretty uh, pretty good clients. In fact, six out of the top ten defence companies in the world are their clients. So from that point of view, for a little hundred million dollar Australian company, it's uh, it's batting well above its average. Uh, it's got facilities in Melbourne, uh, Adelaide, and also Los Angeles. Interestingly, though, Koshi, only about 12% of the register is institutional, so it hasn't really sort of popped up on their radar. And the founders also own about 40% of the business as well. So potentially sort of going a bit under the radar there. Um, recently, probably the thing that's got me a, a wee bit concerned is they recently went out and raised $14 million, which is great. They're using it to grow the business. I haven't got an issue with that. 
they did it at 55 cents and the share price at the moment's around 60 odd cents so again similar to what we were talking about before there with western areas and when you've got a a share placement and in this particular instance where people are in the money uh, that might actually give them some opportunity to sort of sell down and take that profit in particular if there was some market volatility so i'd like to see that sort of wash through the system but the actual underlying technology looks really interesting uh, but if I could get it sub 55 cents, I'd be more interested. So certainly it's a hold, but it's an interesting hold. Okay. All right. Henry? It's a no from me. Um, that was very definite. Yeah, I don't like these kind of things. <laughs> the, um, it's great technology. It's fantastic. The, the problem they've got, and this is the same with Titomic, which is in a similar kind of yep. space, yep. Um, is that it's all well and good saying they've got all these customers and they have got all these customers. Yeah. They've got these big names. And what these big names do is they take, they get some parts and evaluate them. Now the problem is that it takes an awful long time to evaluate them. When you're building parts with a 3D printer out of a new alloy with an additive that makes it stronger, lighter, faster, quicker, whatever it does, you've got to test this thing because yeah. you don't want your, your big um, rocket or your big missile system to fail because one bolt mm. does only last two years. It needs to last three years because that's how long the missiles are stored for. Yep. So all these guys take an order, they, they build something and then they evaluate them and it takes a long time. We've seen it with Titomic. So it takes a while for the revenue to actually come through. Yep. Um, we've seen it with Quickstep, you know, these guys building, making parts, carbon fiber parts for uh, jet fighters. We've saw today an update that they, they're not going to do so well and not going to get the contract for one particular part. I think it was mm. a gas, uh, an air intake valve or something. Anyway, the, the, the point is it takes time to test all the bits because you don't want them to fail six months down the track or a year down the track because they're, they're yep. expensive bits of kit mm. and you don't want it to yeah, fail yeah. because some company in Melbourne's part has disintegrated quicker than anybody thought it was going to do. That's my problem with it. It's run yeah. pretty hard. Um, so for me, lots of promise. As Jerry Maguire would say, <laughs> show, show me, me the money. money. <laughs> you know, let's see some revenue. Let's not right. just see Boeing's taking a bit and Northrop Grumman's taking a bit. And Good to get your foot in the door. Though. It's great to get your foot in the door. And that's what these guys do because the, you know, the big guys can't afford to see the technology yep. uh, advance without them. So they've got to go, oh yeah, we'll, we'll evaluate that bit and we'll have a look at that bit. Yep. They, they can't afford not to. But then you've got to see, okay, the big tick two years down the track. Yes, it works. And now we're going to order a gazillion million dollars worth of them. Right, right. We haven't seen that yet. Okay. So it's a, it's a time thing. But for me at the moment, I want to see the money. I want to sure see really. some revenue. I want to see some sales. I want to see some industry acceptance rather than industry trials and, and pieces of equipment that are being, you know, evaluated. Sure. Okay. All right. There you go. That's uh, Zach. Some pretty clear guidance there. Now, Damien. Henry wants a view on Cirrus uh, Networks. They're uh, an IT group providing uh, technology solutions for small business and government organisations. They've just done a, uh, a service contract with Geoscience Australia worth uh, uh, $13 million over a couple of years. They say it's the first step into getting into a government agency. What do you think of Cirrus? Yeah, they seem to be big in the Canberra market, as yeah. they say. Uh, it's only a 20, I think it was $27 million company, so it's not a very big company. Three cents it's trading at. It's, it's one of these punter specials, not huge volume. Um, it's making all the right moves. Record revenue, what is it, 53.8, up 13%. It's going well. They've got uh, cash. Um, everything looks good. Right. But it's small. 
It's a punter's special. It will right. be driven by that increase in sales. Guidance looks good. Um, there's nothing wrong with it, but three cent stocks are just, you know, they're kind of in punty land. Yeah. It'll yep. take one guy on hot copper to say this is the next big thing and they'll be up to four cents or one guy to say this is a disaster and they'll be down to two cents. So, right. okay. um, so I think it looks interesting. It's making all the right moves. Clearly, Canberra is its big focus. Yep. Um, but there, you know, there's so many of these companies out there doing mm. cloud IT yep. solutions for, for small, medium enterprises or government services. It must be quite a competitive yeah. la landscape. These guys seem to be doing it quite well, um, but... Not much liquidity either, by the way. Well, th there will be one day because it'll be on hot copper or it'll be right. on the subject to some speculation and it'll go nuts. Um, but uh, the, you know, it's a day-to-day -day proposition. Too hot. Yep. Okay. Andrew? Gee, someone's uh, given Henry something at morning tea time. He started off all right, but he's just fallen in a hole the last couple. What's going <laughs> Sorry. on? Sorry. Seriously. Uh, look, what do you like uh, them? I take... so, sorry, do I like them? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't mind them. But I absolutely take on board your comment, Koshi, around the liquidity piece. There's 23,000 a day that are traded. So, you know, we're not exactly talking mega bucks here by any stretch of the imagination, but did a little bit of investigation on the management team or the, the CEO and the chair, uh, Sullivan and Milner. They have form, Koshi. They have good form. Uh, they have worked together previously and sold businesses to um, Amcom, which is the big per was the big Perth telco, and also IINet. So they have a track record and actually building, you know, like the Bevan Slattery effect, if I can mm. use that analogy, um, whereby people back Bevan because of what he's done in the past. I'm not suggesting these guys are Bevan Slattery, but in the context of proven past management um, potential, I, I actually think they could do this. Henry's right, though. It's a very crowded space. But if you look at the underlying fund fundamentals, it's a 31% return on shareholders' funds and it's a 40% profit margin. So the actual underlying business is pretty sound. They've got seven million in the bank. They have no debt. They're cash flow positive. Uh, but to Henry's point, three cents to me is actually a big problem here. I'd actually be happier if they did like a one for 10 consolidation and were 30 cents. Um, might kill the liquidity. That's the only problem. But uh, yeah, I, I, I like the business. I think, the, I think that managed service space is absolutely where it's at and I'm cloud and all that sort mm. of stuff. Management have got the experience, the $28 million market cap and the $23,000 a day trading is to me is the problem. If I didn't have those, in particular the 23 grand a day, I'd say this is a buy. So it's a, it's, it's a hold, but not for the normal reasons I'd say hold. Okay, a hold, not even a spec buy. Oh, look, it's a punt. Right. It's a punt, Picotti. Right. If you want to okay. a punt. But good rap on the business. Yeah. All right, uh, speaking about punting, uh, you see one's a view on Tabcorp. We're going to go from 50 million revenue to 2.87 billion. <coughs> uh, of course, Tabcorp's portfolio um, includes the TAB, Kino, the lot, uh, eBet, Sky Racing. Um, what do you think of Tabcorp, Andrew? Sorry, Kosh, you're just having a stretch there. Um, look, I uh, underwhelming again. Second underwhelming of the, for those playing at home with the Andrew Bingo card. I'm sorry, I've given you another underwhelming. 3% uh, return, let's have a look here, 3% ROE 
and a 5% margin. It's not exactly inspiring stuff. and It's not a fair comparison, but I'll do it anyway. Jumbo Interactive, 31% return on shareholders' funds and a 33% profit margin. Mm. Um, look, P of 27 times relative to forecast earnings growth of 22%. So certainly, you, even using that as a metric, you'd have to say it's fully priced. Technically, it actually looks all right because, you know, that break over 485 is okay. The reason I think they're so high at the moment, of course, they've been speculated that there might be um, takeover activity about. Um, I think that was sort of around February. They sort of batted and bowled that one away. But, um, yeah, it's trading 10% above expectations. The only reason I think they're up is because there's a takeover whiffing about. And as we said, money is cheap at the moment. So they're certainly in the frame. But if we park that for a moment, I'd much prefer Aristocrat or Jumbo Infractive over this one. This right. is in the pantheon of wealth destroyers. You might remember I invoked that memory about six weeks ago when I spoke about QBE. Yep. Here is another prime example in that pantheon. Yep. Okay. Henry? I'm not sure I'd put it in the same pantheon. This stock's doubled in a year. Okay. So for shareholders who bought it a year ago, it's certainly not been a wealth destroyer. Um, sorry, Andrew. Or disagree but over on five that. years, it has been like I'm, I'm not really sure what a Pantheon is either. <laughs> but isn't it a big truck? No. 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 <laughs> isn't, it a, isn't it a big place in Rome? Isn't it a big building in Rome? Um, anyway, yeah. um, back to Tabcorp. Obviously, it's pregnant with a, with some sort of announcement. Yeah. These guys are in the process of either demergering the wager division, the wagering division. Yeah. Somebody else will buy the d uh, the the wagering division, or someone might buy the whole thing and then carve out the wagering division. Right. Sports betting is a big attraction yep. for this one. And we've seen uh, News Corp say pretty out loud that this is an area they want to get into. So this one is pregnant with an, with an announcement. It looks, I mean, it looks pretty good on the charts. Um, it's not cheap, mm -hmm. but we've seen with Crown, even a company that is as distressed in terms of their, their, their business activities in something like Crown, yep. even they can get a private equity guy to come along and go, you know what, we're gonna give you yep. a price. So th this one is pregnant with, with some news and it needs to either get a wriggle on and demerge that wagering division, which is what the market's been saying, or someone's gonna take it off their hands and leave, you know, they'll split it into bad tab and good tab. Yeah. So, uh, so lotteries in Keno, they lump together, don't they? As and that's their biggest division. Yeah. And then wagering and media is. Yeah. Uh, and there's the whole Matthew Tripp thing hanging around. You know, right. he's he's the gun in terms of sports betting. He could weave his magic with uh, with Tabcorp. He's put money into Betmakers, yeah. BET, which we like and we we own that in our growth portfolio. So there's a lot of ways to play this. This uh, sports betting, you've got points bet as well, yep. which again is another, uh, it's pretty high risk and speculative, but it has done really, really well yep. uh, moving into the US. So I think this is a hold up here only because something's going to happen right. um, and some value is going to be extracted from that wagering business. So it's definitely a hold. It's not cheap, but it's pregnant with some news and it could be a full takeover comes from someone, it's pocket change to Rupert, you know, yeah, yeah, down yeah. the back of the sofa stuff. And then yeah. you could start carving the bits you want out, private equity take this, whatever. So there's definitely, you know, I'm okay. sure there's bankers around the, the city at the moment Happy working on the, on the, especially after Crown, yep. you'd have to be. Okay. All right, uh, Shabir wants a view on Amcor. Shabir 
Said strong results in February and ongoing uh, Bemis acquisition synergies. Is it a good buy for capital growth and dividend? Of course, the big packaging products um, organisation. That's not just in in packaging. It's in uh, medical, home, personal care, um, uh, beverages, pharmaceuticals. It's a real staple. This one is. It is a real staple. It's a real defensive kind of yep. staple as well. I don't think you're going to get massively rich from owning Amcor, but you probably won't get massively poor either. It's a kind of a sideways with a yield kind of story. Yep. Um, clearly, it's got some leverage to the global economy as well in terms of packaging, and packaging is changing as well yep. because of the way uh, things are moving in that space. Um, it's, it's, it's probably a buy, especially given that we're moving from this, this growth thing to the value thing. Yeah. that's happening because of the, the way bond yields are moving at the moment. So, you know, this is very much, I guess, in, in the value camp, yep. and it's certainly not in the growth camp. So uh, maybe we'll get a pickup in Amcor because of that. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a yeah. staple business, yeah. packaging. What, what could possibly And depending go? on the type of investor you are, so you build your foundation stocks yep. that you know, just yep. provide that solid base, yep. you'll say, this qualifies for that. Yeah, and they don't seem to be seeing any in increase in pricing in the raw materials they use yeah. for the packaging, which is good, which is always a risk because yeah. we are seeing inflation in raw materials across the board. But th these guys have said they, they're not seeing that. So it, round about here, I'd say as a value play, safe, dull, boring, yeah. yieldy th kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. All right. Sounds like you, Andrew. No. Um, what do you think oh. of Encore? Burn. That is a burn. Uh, Koshi, I can't wait to come and meet you in person. Uh, uh, look, um, Always I, I reliable. Looked, yeah, I haven't actually looked at this for a while. And so, you know, doing my Guatem homework last night, I actually quite like this. Hmm. I think we've got another buy. I, yeah, I don't why? think I've ever been on the call where I've actually had so many buys. Um, the reason being... For all the reasons that Henry uh, just enunciated, but it's on a P of 15, but you've got forecast earnings per share growth of 29% next year, and you've got a 17% return on equity. Um, operates in 39 countries, 180 plants. Probably the only thing that worries me is that rising dollar. The Aussie, if the Aussie dollar was to continue to rise, that might be an issue for them. Mm. But it's trading well below consensus. It's trading about 10, 12% below consensus. So, Koshi, it's a buy. Okay, all right. Um, our final stock, do you put this in the same basket, uh, Andrew? Anthony wants a view on, on Transurban, the big uh, uh, owner of, of tollways here and, and overseas. Does this go in that value sort of defensive foundation? Oh, sorry. Should stop shaking my head and listen to everything you're saying. Uh, <laughs> yes, defensive. Right. Yes. Value, no. Right. Uh, this, this one's being hurt, in my humble opinion, by rising bond yields, because um, that's how you value these businesses. It isn't sort of the value of the, the concrete, it's sort of the, the cash flows that's coming out of them. So, uh, look, I, as a defensive, if, if I can take it back a step, infrastructure itself should be a core part of people's portfolio. So, you know, if I look at my model portfolio, infrastructure is 4% of that. And so do I do it by buying Sydney airports? Do I do it by buying Australian Pipeline Trust, which, as you know, is one of my yep. favourites? Uh, do I buy Transurban? 
Or, and I know you're going to find this hard to believe, Koshy and Henry, do I buy an ETF? Heaven forbid. So uh, I could buy a passive ETF, one that just follows all the infrastructure companies, IFRA, or do I buy an active ETF that tries to buy the best 30 infrastructure companies around the world, which in this case would be Magellan, Mitch. And in both those cases, both the passive and the active ETFs, that one of their largest holdings is Transurban. Yeah. So Transurban itself, nothing wrong with the business at all, but do I really want to be stuck holding one business, albeit it's a great business, it's a $35 billion business, or do I want to maybe have a more broad-based infrastructure ETF that covers off in a number of different areas, be it active or passive? So uh, if you're holding um, Transurban, it's a hold, but if I'm building a portfolio for something, mm. for someone rather, it's either IFRA or Mitch, M-I-C-H. Okay. All right, really um, good alternative. Henry? Um, well, I would expect nothing less from Andrew in terms <laughs> of ETFs. Uh, Transurban is a great company, very well managed. Scott Charlton's done a great job with Transurban. And the problem, as Andrew rightly points out, is that bond yields are rising. And it's not just, we all know interest rates are going up. Yeah. You know, you'd have to be a dummy not to say that. The, the question is, when? when? Yeah, yeah. You know, well, the Reserve it, Bank says 2024. It's the boiling frog. Yeah. You know, you, you put the frog in the boiling water and it jumps straight out and everyone gets really upset. But you put it in the cold water and start boiling it and no one notices it until you've got a boiled frog. Right. And that's the issue at the moment with interest rates. If they just kind of creep up, no one's going to notice. Yep. Every now and then there's a US bond auction which goes badly or not. And that kind of gives it a little bit of a catalyst either way. But um, we know interest rates go up, so that hurts Transurban. The other thing that I guess is keeping them down is the WestConnect issue, yeah. because there's half of that up for sale, and that's a big slug. Uh, it, they are the natural holder of that because they own the other half, yeah. but I'm sure there's gonna be competition. They've just got a new uh, contract in the US to build uh, the Maryland uh, project, which looks interesting in some of, the, um, some of the kind of clauses and some of the intricacies of that contract. But, Clearly, if the US embarks on a $3 trillion infrastructure spend, mm. Transurban maybe could get a Give little, a bit of, a little yep. slice of that. I'd prefer yeah. to buy Macquarie, to be honest, for that exposure. Um, I like this one. It's a great quality stock, great management. It's, you know, the, the tolls go up. Every time you go beep, yep. the tolls keep going up. People are coming back to work. Well, I, um, I was the, on, ro the roads are as busy on, as they are. On, on one this morning, there's a big sign saying, um, um, tolls going up 1st of April. Every, every 1st of April. And they don't go up by inflation. They go up by a, a, the minimum of inflation or around 4% or something. Right. So okay. they've got that locked in. Um, so it's a great business in that respect. It's just the bond yields that's holding it back. Apart yeah. from that, it, it's great. At these kind of prices, it's definitely a hold. Right. It's starting to look interesting from a buy side of things, but I think mm. that the headwinds are there at the moment with this, this bond yield. If it settles down, as Andrew says, and we just see it creep gently up towards 2%, which is probably where it's going to go, yeah. then you know, as long as it goes gently, gently into the night, yeah. as opposed to scares everyone, yeah. then uh, this will probably start to find its feet at a new kind of level. So. Okay. All right, let's recap the uh, final five stocks quickly. Um, Amiro, uh, a hold from Andrew, a no from Henry. Uh, Cirrus, um, a hold from... Uh, Andrew, I'm watching it closely, a no from, um, from Henry. Tab Corp, uh, Andrew prefers a aristocrat in, uh, in this particular space. Uh, it's a hold from uh, Henry. Amcor goes into the calls portfolio because it gets the tick of approval from both. And Transurban, a hold from Henry. And, um, 
uh, Andrew would uh, prefer one of the ETFs and uh, the Magellan um, infrastructure ETF should be on your radar. Uh, Andrew Wheeler, uh, great to see you. Uh, thank you. Always great to have you here on, on the call. And uh, anything exciting coming up at the Empire Theatre in Toowoomba? I went, oh, bother, Koshi's going to ask me, and I haven't got it on the top of my head. So Flickrfest is coming up this weekend. I'm looking forward to watching some of those short films. Uh, we've also got, where did I just say it before, James Rain's coming. Mm. Uh, he's the <laughs> Boys Light Up 41st anniversary tour. Not the 40th, not the 45th, the 41st. So uh, Something for, for everyone. Uh, and the Hungry Caterpillar for the younger ones at heart. So we have the eclectic mix. Oh, excellent. That's what makes the Empire Theatre the beacon, the Taj Mahal of Toowoomba. <laughs> All right, mate, good to see you. Uh, Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Always great to have you on the panel. Nice to see you. Um, if you'd like to uh, suggest any stocks to put to our panel, put them in an email, thecall at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at Ausbiz TV Twitter handle. Reminder, all the calls, uh, portfolio stocks, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, subscribe to the COB as well. If you want to wrap up of the whole day in business and markets, you get Scuddy's View, you get the COB podcast, the most popular videos, you can uh, subscribe osbiz.co slash the COB. And uh, coming up on the Startup Daily Show uh, at 2 p.m., um, where we look at uh, talk to founders, um, startup founders, venture capitalists. Uh, today, the feature guest, amongst many others, Nick Nicolaides, the founder of Perla, who wants to make boring investment strategies more commonplace. That's uh, coming up on the Startup Daily Show. So uh, Nick from Perla is coming up. Uh, a lot happening on Ausbiz for the rest of the day. We'll be back after this.